Welcome to the show. I'm Tash and this is The Sticky Table. And on this podcast, I'll be joined by a guest storyteller. By storyteller, I mean anyone and everyone. That could even be you listening now. Most podcasts require an extensive CV, proof of success and the Instagram blue tick. The Sticky Table is a platform for us to discuss honestly and openly about the lives we lead and the experiences that make us truly unique. This week, I sat down at the Sticky Table with Holly, creative strategist at DesignBridge. I've known Holly for a really long time. We've worked together for seven years, but this is the longest we've ever sat down and had a really honest chat about a defining time in her life. Holly talks about her pregnancy, the loss of her mother, and what normal really means to her. Oh, it's so strange, isn't it? I guess you've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. I guess. guess the first one's always going to sound a little bit um, amateur. No. I'm guessing. No, I think it's got it. to, isn't it? You're a pro. Oh, I don't know. I've got the microphone, but I've got the microphone. absolutely no idea what I'm, I'm doing. Yeah, and plenty of idea. So, Holly. Hello, Tash. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> Not at all. Absolute pleasure. Well, you've had a really interesting life, I think. <laughs> Sort of, yes. Yeah, probably only fairly normal. Well, he's normal. There is no normal. Until recently, I probably had a very privileged and quite straightforward life. And in a way, it still very much is, but it's um, it's taken different directions than perhaps I thought it would. And but I, I feel good about that mm. in many respects. Is it just the time having passed? over the last couple of years that now you feel like you can look back on it and feel positive about it? I feel very sorry for the person who was going through a lot of what happened and I wish I could sort of have a word with her. Mm. Um, But at the same time, I feel very lucky that we went through some of the things that we went through in the way that we did. We were really fortunate. We had incredible help. We didn't really have half the suffering that some people go through in those situations. And so there's an awful lot that I look back on and think, God, we really did well. We, we came through that and it feels like a real point of pride. Yeah. Um, and it makes you, it's a cliche, but it does make you stronger. It makes you much more knowledgeable about yourself and your own limitations which I think is quite a healthy thing to to know about Mm. Um, and obviously once you've seen your child through sort of certain health scares or things like that you realise how capable they are as well and I look at Wilf now and I just see someone who is so sturdy and confident and so kind of his own little person and I think at the time you don't necessarily have that in your head you don't you don't know what they're going to become so it's a lovely position to be in actually Mm. yeah going back to when you found out you were pregnant do you think that person had a totally different idea (laughs) of what pregnancy was Yes. Or what it would be? I think it was a strange situation. I got pregnant about nine months after my mum had died. So my pregnancy was loaded with emotion of sort of it being a really positive thing after a 
a whole host of dark things for my family it felt like it would be a big boost mm. but I think you just almost get taught as a young woman that you will be pregnant you will have a child you'll go home and it'll be fairly smooth and I think you something you have in the back of your mind especially as you get older that there's things like Down syndrome and cystic fibrosis they're probably the main ones that are talked about yeah but you you sort of from a very privileged perspective think well it'll be okay yeah. and it's quite a dangerous position to be in really because when you are told that it isn't all okay or it, there is going to be some sort of disruption to that narrative it's quite devastating and it upsets a lot of things and it makes you question vast arrays of different stuff so I do think that the more conversations that are had around what can go wrong or what can go right and what you know what different people go through at different stages is is really important because I think otherwise you just get the one narrative and as soon as that narrative's not there it's extremely devastating um, I'm not saying we should all be talking about doom and gloom all the time, but I think we need to be much more open about um, the varieties in lots of different people's experiences so that it is, there isn't a normal anymore. It's just what's personal and what happens. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess even for me now, you know, looking on Instagram and things like that, there's kind of like almost the Instagram pregnancy, yes, isn't there? There's yes. like, it's almost that time of your life is like a very Instagrammable yes, moment. especially now, yeah. But also it's kind of shrouded in, but you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen when you give birth. And I think there is this expectation to have the perfect pregnancy, to have oh, the yeah. perfect child. Mm. And I think that, did you find that that was quite hard to talk about because did you find out about Wolf's complications whilst you were pregnant? Yes so we found out at 20 weeks that he had a build-up of I suppose um, fecal matter in his lower intestine which is sometimes associated with cystic fibrosis so we went through a load of tests for that and then we went to that all came out clear so we went then went to see a specialist at UCL who um, looked at him on a scan and said, I think he has anal atresia, which is effectively where the anus hasn't formed. It can be quite sort of a, a minimal thing. It just hasn't sort of perforated, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Or it, it means that the bowel has um, just really not reached that part of your skin, effectively. Um, so we knew then, we went through quite a traumatic experience when that was... Um, became apparent because we were um, I was at the sort of threshold of the legal limit for abortion and although they'd said there might not be anything systemically or chromosomally wrong there was always a chance because within any child that has any sort of in inverted commas abnormality mm. it can be a sign that there's some, some sort of syndrome or something like that which might have meant that it wouldn't have been advisable for me to carry on with the pregnancy and um, so I had to have and we chose to we had an amniocentesis test 
Um, but it was literally the day that if there had been something detected, I would have had to, and it had been advised that I didn't carry on, I would have had to have been induced. So it's a, it was a really, it was, it was very traumatic. Yeah, and yeah. you do sort of, you, the time you just go through it because there's sort of timing issues and you just want to know that everything's okay. But the, the sort of, that trauma in, in that time of pregnancy was quite affecting, affecting really. So I had the rest of my pregnancy. We, luckily, this, this amniocentesis came back clear and the rest of the pregnancy was almost waiting. We had a few more scans, was really waiting to see how he would come out. And um, then when he was born, um, because he had anal atresia, he was whisked away um, to have a food tube put down because he wouldn't have been able to digest yeah. in the same way as another baby. And when they were trying to put the food tube down, they couldn't get it to go. And they scanned him um, and realised that he had what's um, known as tris tracheal esophageal fistula and esophageal atresia. So that is where you have, have a gap in your esophagus, so your food pipe. But he also had made himself a little fistula between his food pipe and his windpipe, which would have meant had he been fed, he would have drowned if, or at least yeah. would have had some massive complications. So in some ways, we were very lucky that we knew he would require a food tube. So that then there was the detection of the TOF, which is the acronym for it. Um, so that was a surprise and a big surprise. And sorry, this is turning into a long story, but then <laughs> that meant that we had to be transferred to Norwich Hospital. We were in Stevenage and we were there for two weeks. He was operated on first day of life to have the um, trachea and esophagus repaired. And that was a big operation. And then they also put the colostomy back in for him, for the for the rear end problem. Yeah. Um, an enormous shock. And you're right, the narrative around pregnancy is often, she's glowing. Yeah. She, she can eat this and she can't eat that. And look at her, she's a boy, it's a boy or it's a girl. And I, and I went to the um, NCT classes and I just felt it was just totally irrelevant to me. I just felt like this was such a alien narrative because there's people debating about what kind of nappies they're going to use. I was just thinking, I probably won't really need that many nappies. Yeah, exactly. Um, people were worrying about, I don't know, the nursery decor. I was literally... Every time I shopped for his clothes, I would be crying because I couldn't buy normal clothes. I had to buy clothes that would accommodate a colostomy bag. Yeah. It, it was a very isolating experience. And I think part of that is that there is such a visible and uh, vocal narrative around pregnancy and what you should do and what you shouldn't do and net mums and clean eating. And, and actually, there was absolutely nothing I could have done. And believe me, I beat myself up a lot and questioned everything but there wasn't anything I could have done and yeah this still was happening to me it was completely out of my control yeah um so yeah to answer your question it's it's a it's a very odd contrast with the the world that you see versus the world that you might experience yeah and I still think that people probably don't 
talk about it, do they? No. Because, no. And is that because they feel like they don't fit in? Maybe. Or is it... Maybe. Because, it, you know, you, you, you like to think that um, there are loads of different types of pregnancies mm. and loads of different types of experiences. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And you kind of only see the perfect side of it. And I think that's where you probably... Yeah, I mean, like, I... Well, I guess I would and I wouldn't because obviously having my sister mm. who's special needs, mm. I've kind of grown up knowing that there's a chance... You know, and knowing that it doesn't always work out. Yeah, it's you know, a different uh, experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, my mum had me, and then she had my sister. So she had, yes. she just assumed she was going to get exactly the yes. same the second time round as like what she had with me. Yes. And that got completely blown out of the water. I can imagine that's very hard. Yeah. Because I think one of the things that I count myself quite lucky for is I don't know any different. Yeah. I learn how to use a colostomy bag in the same way as probably most parents learn how to bathe their child or something. Yeah. So it's almost like I've just gone along with a new set of normals. Yeah. And I imagine to have a point of comparison must be very, very difficult. Yeah, I think it probably was quite hard for my mum because I think she was always asked by people and asked by her like well what happened yes what went wrong and it's and it's horrific yeah it's like you can't just look back and go well it was this day this time and I was doing this yeah there there is no she's still she's classed as a swan which is syndrome without a name and she's she still is to this day and she's how old is she now she's gonna be no she is um 28 so 28 years and we've still got no diagnosis as to why she's the way that she is and did your mum know from very early on that there was something different or was it a I diagnosed issue later on? She did. I think there were, there were times that when we spoke about it, she did say, like, she said it just wasn't, it wasn't the same. Right. I think she felt like it wasn't, you know, something wasn't quite right. right. But then I think she was under a lot of pressure at the time of work and other things. Yeah. Um, you know, she's trying to be a career woman in... You know, uptown in London in like the, the early nineties. Yeah. So you know, she she had there, there were no forums, there was no internet, no. there was nothing to kind of not that she even had the time to I guess stop and try and reflect on. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is going on. What do I do about it? It was a case of well, I've got bills to pay. I need to go to work, and I've got another daughter, and yeah. you know, you're trying to do all of these things. You just keep going. Yeah, and I, it must. I, I mean, I don't know what, what it is. But she, you know, looking back now, even I say to her, I was like, I don't know how you, I don't know how you did it because I don't know how I would do it in this day and age with all of this information out there <laughs> to kind of call upon. Because in a way, there's almost too much out there, isn't there? There is. And one of the things that doctors and surgeons have always said to me is just don't Google. Just do not yeah. Google. And the times... There have been times actually where it has been very helpful and there are groups... Um, for the condition that Wilf has the TOF. Not so much the anal adrusion, that's very much not really mm. spoken about. Um, I don't know if that's a sort of British thing or what, but um, actually there's times where it's been helpful, but the times where I've engaged a bit more readily with the TOF group, which is an amazing resource, I've tended to send myself into a spiral of, Mm. I should be doing this, I should be doing that, I need to look out for this. And it can, I remember my husband saying to me, just stop, stop looking at it because let's just deal with things as they come and yeah. do it in a more instinctive way. Um, and that is better for me. 
um, there is a, there's a, there's a massive resource, but I think maybe it increases mum's sort of awareness of what they should and shouldn't be doing. There's all these shoulds and shouldn'ts and perfects and normals and healthies and unhealthies and actually the only definition you can get to know is your own child and your own yeah. set of instincts around your child and like your mum you do just have to keep going <laughs> you don't have a choice yeah exactly you can't give them back um, <laughs> and actually you wouldn't obviously you wouldn't and you want to you you just keep pushing forward it's life's instinct yeah um, how did John cope did he cope differently to you? Um, I suppose so. He's incredible. He probably was a lot... Because when you give birth, it's such a weird experience overall. And then to have all this on top. Yeah. I was on a lot of drugs. <laughs> and um, sitting on a rubber ring and all the awful things that women have to go through when they give birth. He had to be very... Uh, practical, sober he had to sort of take control of situations, think about the logistics of it all because I was such a space cadet and I as I said to you, was often just at the side of me going, he'll be right. He's he's just plumbing, they'll fix his pipes and and then we'll go and he was sort of looking at me going, um, right (laughs) (laughs) so he probably was a little bit more emotionally engaged with it than I was I'd probably shut off a little bit um, he has always just been very solid and we've cried together and laughed together a lot of laughter though and we've both sort of just found a lot of resilience in each other so particularly I can remember when we were in Norwich it tended to be we were in there for nearly three weeks and we used to go we had accommodation on the hospital site which was great and then we would go in, obviously throughout the day, but in the evenings we tended to go in just to sort of see him go to sleep, I suppose. And we would toddle in and spend some time with Wilf and then sort of nine, ten o'clock toddle back to our little flat type room thing. And always on that walk back, one of us would be despairing or down or worried. And the other would have to really bolster the other or say mm. look it's going to be fine he's coming this far remember and it just it was funny we just sort of took it in turns so we're quite a good yin and yang and he he's just got this brilliant relationship with Wilf and um, and I think we've managed to there have been dark times obviously but to find a lot of strength in just being together mm. Um, and like I said, we don't know any different. He's just, he's just Wilf. Yeah, he's yours, isn't he? He is, day, yeah. Like... It's a bit like if you get a, a pet and it's got something wrong with its leg, you just take it to the bed. You, know, you do become quite practical and you become quite adept at just doing stuff that to anyone else might be like, what? You have to go where? You have to empty what? And it's like, oh, you just, just do it. Mm. Um, that's not to say it's not weird and odd at times, but it's it's instinctive. And so from the experience of having 
Wilf and having your experience mm. of pregnancy and everything that you've you know been through and also with losing your mum mm. do you feel like at the beginning of everything that you are the same person or different I think I was very different before mum got ill probably not you know, you're still the same person, but I think my perspective on the world's changed a lot. And I think I... I don't know. I would say I'm sort of more empathetic, I hope. But then at times I'm also very impatient. And I think, why, why are people wasting time? You've not got time. Things are, you know, life's short. And yeah. so there's elements of me that have become quite hardened, probably. And especially knowing people, um, and it's very hard not to not to be embittered. But when people give birth and they say things like, "It's the normal, perfect, healthy baby," I want to scream because yeah. I think you, a, I hate the word normal now. Um, perfect is what is that? And it's almost like this sort of sense that you've won some sort of lottery. Well, well done, but there's several thousand other people probably in that moment who are not going through that. Mm. Um, so you get these weird frustrations and, and stuff that antagonises your situation. But for the most part, I like to think that I've broadened my mind and yeah. I've seen different experiences and I've had to learn to sort of... I've definitely had to learn to negotiate the health service, both, its, both at both ends of the spectrum, death and birth. I've had to probably have conversations with people that I never thought I'd have to have about bumholes and (laughs) (laughs) constipation and things. And I suppose it's taught me that humans are really fragile things and we're all just battling on and mostly we're just doing our best. Yeah. And one person's story is always going to be completely different to another's. For instance, my experience of my mum's death is probably very different to, say, my dad's. But, you know, it doesn't mean that one is right, one is wrong. It's just, you know, a different narrative. So, I'm... And I I feel weird saying this, but there are times where I'm glad I've been through these things because I think it's made me a more... It's made me more of a grown-up. And it's definitely given me... Probably a deeper understanding of certain things, which I think actually has led to things like better friendships, better relationships. Mm. But yeah, you might have to ask someone else whether I've changed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah. And in terms of work, do you think it's changed how you approach work? Oh, because obviously everything you do Mm. is rooted with emotion isn't it your job is to connect people emotionally do you feel that now because you've tapped into probably very different emotions to what you would have experienced before do you think it's perhaps made you stronger Mm. or do you think it's changed your (laughs) approach because sometimes with what we do in branding and you know connecting people with brands and things like that it can feel quite superficial do you Mm. think you can tap into something that's a little bit richer I think it's probably given me a better understanding of the human condition 
I think it makes me slightly more aware of, say, how a parent would feel quite obviously, mm. which I didn't do before. And I, I remember I worked on Save the Children and I remember them saying, this was before, it was actually while mum was ill. And I can remember the target audience was people who had children in their lives. And I remember thinking, well, that's a bit limited because I don't have children, but I really like kids and I would give to Save the Children. After having wealth, and I don't think this is unique to my, our experience of being parents, but I, you know, you put a picture of a sick child on the TV and I am in bits and I would give any amount of money. <laughs> yeah. So there is, there is a very, very, there's a switch that flicks as soon as you've had a child. And it's very strange. I probably wouldn't roll my eyes a bit at that before, but it, but it is, it does make you different. So you do get a different set of empathetic skills, which I think is useful in what I do. Um, but I also think I am a lot more intrigued by how design and how we talk to audiences can, can garner the good in people. And so when we were working on beauty banks, it was very much that yeah, you, we do all need to look after each other. We do need to have a a community spirit because actually they they do matter and I think when you've spent a lot of time in hospitals and things like that you do realise the good in people and how that needs to be fostered and nurtured and we should treasure it and help it grow. We definitely need to be kinder to ourselves as well as each other don't we because I think especially something that I'm harking on about Instagram but mainly it's because (laughs) it's it's where a lot of the pressure and stuff comes from, isn't it? That you see people having all of these great experiences, but actually they're probably quite manufactured. So then you feel like you don't live up to the normal or the standard. So is it about being a bit kinder to each other, but also being a bit more honest and open? Because I think that's one of the things, is people just, they don't, and perhaps rightly so, they don't want to talk about Mm. the shitty bits. No. But then would you feel a little bit less shitty if you'd heard about someone else having gone through potentially what you'd gone through? Like, would it make you feel less lonely? I don't know. So I was thinking about this when you brought up the possibility of this podcast because there's things that I think we don't talk about because it instills a lot of fear in us. And fear is something that we all try and avoid, isn't it, Mm -hmm. as a human species? there's part of you that thinks, God, actually, I don't know that you'd want people knowing that this is how it is, because mm. perhaps we wouldn't all get on with life if we knew how awful certain circumstances yeah. were. However, when it comes to things like Will's condition, it's it's just good to hear lots of different narratives. And yeah. that's where social media can come into its own. Yeah, definitely. So, for instance, the narratives around miscarriage changing, the narratives around... Even births are shifting, so it's not just you either have a cesarean or a vaginal birth. Yeah. There's, there's a, a huge spectrum and everyone's sort of up for talking about their birth story now, which is, is changing. You know, when we found out that we've had anal intrusion, obviously, first thing I did was Google it. There wasn't a lot there. It was all quite cold and unhuman. It was like medical terminology and costume bags and operations. Perhaps if someone had been online saying you know what, it's going to be all right. This will probably happen, this will probably happen, but everyone's individual story is different. Mm -hmm. Perhaps that would have helped. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. 
all that you know is it's going to be different and that's sometimes scary enough. And sometimes the not knowing is is almost better, isn't it? Sometimes because it is, you've got nothing yeah. to compare it to. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think we're in an interesting sort of point as human beings between overexposure and underexposure where there's yeah. this hyper-curated, distilled sense of who we are and what we represent, but also this clambering for some honesty and insightfulness and, and human connection it's an odd time and someone was saying to me the other day that they, they were saying it was we don't have religion so much in our lives anymore well not many of us do are we all almost now looking for a replacement set of guidelines mm. to help us through life and maybe that's what it is maybe that's what all of this is about but oh, in truth I think things are just very different from day to day it's changing so quickly I don't know how it will come out of the other side of the filter <laughs> yeah exactly it's a really interesting what's time. the hashtag going to be yeah do you think it's probably more leaning on actual human interaction so like you said developing those closer relationships with those around you Perhaps that's what you're going to kind of... The people that you're going to be leaning on. And but yeah. even then, like, sometimes talking to your friends can sometimes be, like, the hardest thing because you don't want them to, like, judge you or think differently about you. Yeah. You know, yeah. there is... Or, you know, if perhaps if they've had one experience and yours is completely different, <laughs> you know, how do you say, actually, I feel really lonely? And also, how do you... Does real life become harder the more we plunge ourselves into a visual life mm. um, that is very curated. I think there's a sort of question over whether the conversations we now have to have with each other are becoming a little bit more forced and uncomfortable because we're not used to actually chatting face to face. Yeah. What's been nice I've noticed is I wrote an article about um, what went on with Wilf and, and some of the sort of themes around it almost. And loads of women got in touch to say, I went through something really similar, but I, I totally get how you felt. And even just that sense of, it's like a nod, a little bit of, yeah, we've been through this. Yeah. And you get a sort of momentary connection. You know, we're not all going to meet up in a pub and toast our... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ...our experiences, but we have that sort of nod of generosity t- towards each other that probably wouldn't exist had we not been in that digital age mm. um, and able to sort of see each other from a distance. And there's a sort of weird communities that can be built around things like that. And we don't have... I mean, I don't have any massive support network in, in terms of family or, or um, you know, network of sort of community um, of mothers or anything like that. So sometimes you get it from the strangest places and that might just be a direct message on Instagram. (laughs) So it's a strange time, but you do just do what you do, don't you? Yeah. With the tools that you're given. Yeah, it's it's how you use them, isn't it? And I guess there's the good and the bad in all all of it. Yeah, Um, there'll always be good and bad. I think as well, you, you document things. I've tended to document things in my life almost for myself really Mm. but some people probably document things solely for the purpose of elevating their ego or putting themselves out there or addressing someone that they're jealous of or that they want to Mm. piss off I don't know what that's like so perhaps that's a different experience but I think that it's just what your intention is isn't it yeah and some people come at it with different 
more negative intentions it's it's interesting though isn't it because I think as a society people see stuff on Instagram and they berate people because (laughs) you know oh well she's wearing that bikini and she's doing this and she's doing that she might be having the time of her life it might have taken 20 different photos to get that photo and they might slate her or him all day long but now there seems to be more of a trend of people almost disliking it than when people are real so one girl that I follow she had quite a lot of um negativity coming at her through Instagram like into her DMs and stuff like that and she posted a photo of herself crying then on the other hand of it you've got people that are then like but that's that's too much is it oversharing oversharing? you're you're now posting a photo of of you crying like in that moment of being upset you've taken a photo and posted it you know what there's regardless of what you do you're going to be judged for it Mm -hmm. so yeah are you just sort of cataloguing your emotions and what is that and um, and what do other people how much do other people matter i don't know it's like we're, we're looking for people to, to like we're looking for like acceptance but at the same time we're also trying to challenge that and go I actually don't want you to accept me you know we're, we're but it's weird to negotiate a new set of rules yeah. and no one really knows what the rules are yeah. and everyone's looking for a different rule so I for example love seeing girls who are saying oh my skin's broken out blah, blah, blah. because I think when I was younger I didn't have that and I think had I been able to flip through a magazine and see that some people have braces and some people mm. were, I don't know, short, thick, thin, I, it would have changed my, how hard I was as, as on myself as a teenager, possibly. Some people would find that completely distasteful and they just want to see beauty everywhere, mm. well, in inverted commas, beauty. And they really want to play by the, the rules of aesthetics and what, what we've established probably in the last hundreds and hundreds of years of what is beautiful. It's complete, everyone comes at it with a completely different angle. I remember hearing, um, is it Mother of Daughters talking on, I think it was the high or something, about if you, you almost have to treat Instagram like a magazine mm. and let it have the content that you want to see. So don't look at the stuff that's going to trigger yeah. negativity in yourself look for the things that are inspiring or that you love and love to read I think that's really important so if you feel that something is giving you a negative view of the world or you're tempted to go what are you doing that for just don't follow it it's a choice yeah um when there, I don't think there will ever be a common set of morals around what is right and wrong in social media. I just don't think it's possible. No. It's so we might as well all just make it what we want it to be and look at what we want to look at. Yeah, and I think we need to just stop policing each other. Maybe. I think that's yeah. part of the problem, isn't it? Everyone seems to think that, well, I can have an opinion because I'm not... You know, no one knows who I am. They don't know where I live. I'm not held accountable because yeah, no one can find me. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's comes back to, I guess, about kindness, doesn't it? About just being yeah. kind to each other. Like, I was always brought up, you know, by my mum and dad. Like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say yeah. it. And I think... Do as you would be done by. And I think now, that's just kind of gone out the window a little bit. We all feel like we can have any kind of opinion on anyone. And then that means that then people are putting out content to almost counteract it and justify their yeah, actions. Yeah. And so it's some sort of really weird school playground yeah I suppose it goes back to very sort of base Lord of the Flies kind of stuff I think what the one thing that I have appreciated probably more so because of my situation is the great exposure and emphasis that Instagram can sometimes put on variety or that social media does expose 
different stories and narratives. And I think, like, for instance, the LBGTQ movement has gained a lot, I think, from some of those stories. And, you know, there are different debates going on, but I think it's healthy to have just more visibility about yeah. the human race, which I think is is great. And yeah, I, I like, I love, <laughs> I started watching Strictly Come Dancing again <laughs> after like a 10 year hiatus or where I was. But what's amazing is that now it's Paralympians and people who've had horrific trauma in their lives. Yeah. Or the type of people that you just did not see on television when I was young. Yeah. Um, or if you did, it was very rare. And it was in documentaries. This is, you know, Wilf is dancing away in front of Strictly Come Dancing. And there's a guy on there that was in Great Ormond Street for a significant amount of his childhood. And, and I just think that's incredible. Mm. And it gives me hope that when he goes to school, it will be a much more open and empathetic and more well-rounded environment than perhaps it might have been 20 years ago when yeah, the difference definitely. was very much isolation. So, it, yes, there are lots of, lots of negatives, particularly around mental health and things like that within social media but I think there's also a lot of subtle positives that come into fruition at times um, which I'm grateful for thank you for sharing not everything Holly no I feel like I've I've dominated the conversation but it's um, it's wonderful to talk about it because I think it's it's not often that you get the chance to sit down and talk about your the story but actually it's it's lovely to do and I'm a big believer in talking therapy so I think everyone should do it and yeah. I think podcasts in particular are just incredible for that I think it's just really interesting when you speak to people because everyone has a story and I think that was one of the things when like some of those people on a podcast I don't know who they are no. I don't need to know who they are they've just got a really interesting life at some connection or other they are I don't know an entrepreneur founding a mm-hmm. you know protein drink or something mm. like that but mm. really, I think there's nothing more interesting than people. And I think people yeah. have forgotten how to talk to each other. What podcasts have done have sort of given the story, the life story a bit more prominence again. Whereas it, like you say, had become quite bloated and condensed. And now it's, you know, it's like, a, well, it used to be 140 characters and now it's like, it's a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so it really has changed. Yeah. I think as well, there's so much comfort to be found in other people's stories. You just, like, we all need to hear them. We all need... That's part of civilization and how it gained. And it's nice to know that not... Like, everyone's done something differently. Yeah. And everyone's got a story. We're not all sitting there with, like, horrendously boring lives. I mean, I can't say much for the next generation. No. If all they're doing is sitting on Fortnite and all of those kind of things. I've got no idea. Because But then maybe there'll be a huge sector of that generation that will completely rebel against it and be... The opposite and be totally yeah. outdoorsy and fighting for the environment. I have no idea. Because I think one of the things, I think I was listening to something or watching something and they were talking about how if you don't have experiences, you can't, you know the whole thing of like gut instinct, mm-hmm. you won't develop it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you don't, and that is like one of the strongest things that you can have is developing your gut instinct. Yeah. And you can only do that by going out doing things getting things wrong meeting people mucking up doing it again and just ultimately trusting body language behaviour tone of voice scenario confidence because they always say like Will we're quite protective Will but John's very um, he says careful a lot Mm. and I do as well but one of the things that all the parenting books say 
is don't do that because they almost need to know that they can trust themselves. Oh, and okay. by constantly saying careful, you're saying to them, don't trust yourself. And oh yeah, yeah, like and, and you need to, and it probably needs some news to us. But there is this sense of you warning them sometimes makes them feel as well that you don't trust them. So it's a real you have to you have to learn from falling over and, yeah. and toppling and and failing. That's it's literally the only way you gain inner confidence well it's how you learn to walk isn't it as a kid you know you, yeah, you, you can't just do it yeah you keep falling and you get back up but I think we've got to the point now where I think people are so scared of it mm. but I am terrified of it because you, you're you almost like but what's going to happen um, you know yeah. this might happen I might lose my house especially in our generation I think I think our generation's the first where it's been challenged yeah but failure is a good thing I think yeah. we were very much taught in school that you it's sort of like you have to try really hard and you have to succeed. Yeah, you can't get it wrong. You can't get it wrong. Now it's more try really hard. If you get it wrong, try again. Yeah. Um, so it's a slightly different twist on it. Yeah, and I think some really interesting experiences and all sorts of things happen from taking that leap mm-hmm. and nowadays you're, you know everything's so well curated like what you see you know how do you know yeah. people make it just look so easy <laughs> yeah you don't know everyone wants to be an influencer <laughs> everyone wants to be a pilates teacher or a yoga instructor yeah. and it is really difficult because you know the people that are the most successful that you look up to have worked their asses off to get there yeah. but they just haven't shared all of that yeah the highs and the lows it's just about having conversations with people isn't it and one of the things I love doing is talking to like Chrissy's grandparents yeah because they are from a totally different time yes and yeah. you know they went to war yeah and just, I mean yeah. how they wrote letters to each other and they didn't hear from each other for weeks Whereas you're yeah. constantly, you know, <laughs> waiting for a text message Just or a instant WhatsApp. gratification. Yeah, and you don't speak to people on the phone. Like, you don't hear voices. You don't, you know, that yeah. is very much texting and, and, and instant messaging and stuff. We don't have the patience anymore. But I think also we... When something like war happens, I think we forget that that was trauma. That was a yeah. huge trauma for a generation, and I think it impacted the generation below them. And I think when you fought in a war and won, the emphasis on success and perfection and what we fought for mm. is, is huge. And I think, actually, for my mum's generation, I think it was very hard to live up to that because they didn't have really? a war to fight. They had the Beatles and they had having <laughs> fun and getting, you know, going to university and doing the things that weren't afforded to their mums and dads. So I think it was a huge inherited sense of guilt and um, trauma and how do we live up to this? How do, how do, you know, we can't exist in a war, but we want to enjoy the benefits of having won a war. So mm-hmm. it's a very, I think that's a really interesting thing. And I think our generation is the generation where we're going, actually, let's forget success, failure, winning, losing, perfection, imperfection. Let's just try and be and mm. see what that yeah. gives us. And it's, some of it's going right and some of it's going wrong, but I think mm. it's interesting. <laughs> we better <laughs> we digress. It's <laughs> yeah. good. I like these conversations. Thanks for joining me at the Sticky Table. If you enjoyed this episode, then please rate, review and subscribe to make sure that you don't miss out on the next one.